Hello and welcome to the Be Bold Fitness Podcast, the show where we talk about taboo topics in the health, wellness, and fitness space. No topic is off limits here. I'm your host, Tessa Breeden, certified personal trainer and nutrition specialist with a passion for helping women to get fit, feel good, and live boldly. Welcome, Corinne Hill, accredited nutritionist and owner of Lovely Nutrition and Meal Prep. Welcome to the Be Bold podcast. Go ahead and introduce yourself to people who don't know who you are yet because they are in for a real treat. Hello, everyone. My name is Corinne. And yes, I'm a accredited nutritionist here in Austin, Texas. And I am the owner of Lovely Nutrition and I also own Lovely Meal Prep. That is so fun. Now, I could probably sit here and talk to you for three hours, but we're going to try and keep this within an hour for our own sake and for everyone listening. But I'm obviously extremely passionate about nutrition. And Corinne, obviously, you were passionate about it enough about it that you made it a career and made it into a business. So I do want to start off on a topic that I feel like is really misunderstood in the nutrition fitness space. So can you explain to people what the difference between a nutritionist, a registered dietitian, and a certified nutrition coach are? Yes. I actually get this question frequently, and I love that I get it more often now than I than I have in the past because I think just with social media and the internet, it's easier to get information now. So people are like, wait, what's the difference between an RD, a dietitian, a dietitian with a C or a T? There's all these different things. So um, I'm happy to kind of set it straight. So there is a nutritionist that's accredited. That would be me. So I have a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and dietetics. And then if I wanted to go on to become a dietitian, I would continue to do a internship. Um, So the internships typically take anywhere from six months to a year after you've completed your bachelor of science degree. Mm -hmm. Um, You do have to pay for them. They're about 10 to 20 grand and you work for free for about a year. And during that time, a dietitian will do three rotations. And so she'll typically do something in the community. Most um, RDs do WIC. She'll do something with food service and then clinical. So in a hospital doing rotations. So after a dietitian has gotten the bachelor's degree, done the rotation slash internship, she'll then sit for a uh, exam for the um it's from the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics to become a registered dietitian. So when you think about nutrition and how it kind of scales up, an RD is going to be at the top of like, they know the most, they have the most experience, um, especially when it comes to clinical. Now, someone like myself, if I wanted to continue to become an RD, I would then apply to do the internship and go through the same, what I just said, like I'd have to do the internship. And then I would do the rotations and then I would sit for the exam. Um, So, and then a nutrition coach, it's called a certified nutritionist because they Mm -hmm. just got a certification. So it can be anywhere between six weeks to six months to get a certification. Um, And they don't really require any kind of chemistry, anatomy, coursework. It's a lot shorter and more tightened and bundled up. 
Um, and so when you're thinking about hiring someone, you're definitely going to want to think about like what your goals are. Um, if you had a clinical diagnosis, you'd probably want to work with an, R an RD, right? Yeah. Because they have the most experience. Like if you have a renal issues, diabetes, um, cardiovascular issues, anything like that, you're probably going to want to work with a RD that has a lot of experience in the hospital system working with your type of, you know, patient care. Um, someone like myself, I have a lot of experience working with weight loss and I work typically with gyms. Um, and with the majority of the clientele that I work with are of healthy, they come from like a, they don't have any kind of like uh, clinical diagnosis. Yeah. Um, so no so, eating disorders or nothing that you're prescribing essentially to them in that, in that term, like a clinical sense, abs correct? Yeah, absolutely. And it's actually like, it's not even for a registered dietitian. Typically, if you have an eating disorder, you would work with a dietitian that specifically works with eating disorders in relation with a, um, like a psychologist at some kind mm -hmm. of therapy. Right. So um, when I meet people that have an eating disorder, I automatically say, I can't help you. Um, it's against my ethics. And let me help you find somebody um, and really finding someone who, who practices with eating disorders. Yeah. But that, that can be across the board with anything. Right. Renal disease, diabetes, yeah. so on and so forth. You want to work with someone who specializes in that. So often I get asked, so why didn't you get your, your RD? Right. Like, uh -huh. why? Why? What's the difference? And I had every intention of getting my RD. I actually wanted to do um, pediatric, okay. and I I was having a baby at the time. I was graduating with my nutrition degree, and I was like, you know what? This would be so cool. I'll go into pediatrics. But because you have to pay so much money to do the internship, I started my own health coaching business to start saving money for the internship. And then decided that I didn't want to work in a hospital and that I loved working with weight loss. And um, that's why I didn't get my RD. So um, yeah. we have the exact same degree, except I did not do the internship or sit for the exam. Okay. Yeah. I think it's really important to note because, again, I'm in the fitness space and never do I tell people that I am a nutritionist because it feels like a misleading term at times to people when it comes to like what exactly I'm providing to them. Now, I do have multiple nutrition certifications. I have an online coaching nutrition certification. I have a fitness nutrition specialist certification, but I did not go to school for this. Now, I think another thing that's important just to take note of is that there are people who are certified nutrition coaches who are very educated in the space. I'm personally biased because I think that I've put a lot of time and energy into giving myself that education that I didn't receive in school. Now, I'm obviously not the most knowledgeable, but I sit down with people like you who educate me on things that I don't know about, but I also know when it's time to refer out when something mm -hmm. is not within my scope of practice. There are clients that I have felt that I was not able to properly serve. And so that's, again, my personal morals and the choices I make in my business. But there are a lot of people out there that get a nutrition certification, which I can tell you from experience, like they're not that hard. And the one that I got, I actually didn't think was that great. And that's why I got an additional one because the first right. one I got was very like run of the mill. And just because you have a certification for something 
does not necessarily qualify you to give advice on that subject. Same goes for personal training. Same goes for any everything. I think it depends on how much education you put into it. And people who are just selling supplements, who are working with companies that don't have certifications, they can technically still call themselves a nutritionist, yeah. but they are not. And so I do think it's really important when you are hiring somebody, whether it be a nutrition coach, a nutritionist, a registered dietitian, understand the credentials that person has and maybe do a little bit of digging as to like what their thought process in creating these protocols are. And we'll obviously dive into this a little bit, but we both are on the same page in regards to what our beliefs about nutrition itself is. And I think it's, again, very important to make sure you understand the ethics behind the person you're working with, their beliefs, the way that they make these decisions, and if they are willing to refer out, if they see something wrong uh, along the process of working with I often say, like, just just ask, like, hey, what what educational background do you have? Because um, because I did work really hard for my nutrition degree, and I took biochemistry and organic chemistry and anatomy, and I I had to study the TCA cycle and the which is the metabolism and all of these things that help you as a nutritionist to make um, uh, really good decisions based on because you know how the body works, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't think just top regular certifications is going to go into the depth of like having a cadaver that you are using in anatomy, you know? So there's, there's a lot more education as you go up from like a certification to a bachelor's degree to a bachelor's degree with the RD credential to real world experience, right. Of working in like an ER or any kind of clinical setting. So I think it's really important that whoever you're hiring just to say like, Hey, what, what, how did you get here? Right. What are your credentials? Like, did you go to school and finding out digging deeper, like you said, of of what they did is important. Yeah. And it's not to say that any one of those choices is wrong. Obviously, again, RDs are something for like a very specific thing. I actually refer a lot of clients that are having allergies or are looking to um, do specific elimination diets. I will obviously refer them out to an RD because that is way beyond my scope of practice to start eliminating food groups for a client. But I educate them on what the different options are. You know that I do refer clients to you as well because I don't do the meal prepping side of things. I don't I don't really take on that. I'm really just doing the nutrition coaching, understanding, working yeah. more so on like daily. And the coaching is, is like, you don't need to have to be a nutritionist to do coaching, right? Because uh-huh. coaching is often not even about the actual food. It's about what's behind the decisions we're making and um how are we getting to our goals? It's a behavioral uh, duality more so than like uh, just nutrition, you know, the science of like food. Yeah. And again, every, even every coach is going to look totally different. I dive into, cause I care about what my clients are eating, but not every coach is going to care what their clients are eating. So I think those are again, important questions to ask. Yeah. Absolutely. But okay. So Corinne, you said that you were pregnant with your daughter when you were getting your um, degree in nutrition. So like what inspired you to even get started in that process? Like, was there something specifically that you, cause I correct me if I'm wrong, you went back to school to become a nutritionist. Isn't that correct? Yeah, this is my second degree. So I was, uh, I have a bachelor of communication studies and I was doing sales. I was actually working for a brewery, which is crazy to think back now, <laughs> totally different lifestyle. But I was uh, living in Colorado. I was working for Breckenridge Brewery and it was a really hardcore job, super stressful, like obviously sales. And at the time I was doing CrossFit 
And I had just kind of gotten into like the CrossFit life. And I had unfortunately had a coach that was pretty new and just told me like, you need to eat paleo. And I was like, okay, quick Google search. What's paleo? Don't eat carbs. Okay. Left it at that. Did no further research whatsoever and proceeded to go on like, you know, the next eight to 10 months of very, very, very low carb. But working out four or five days a week, lifting really heavy, like Olympic lifting. So basically hindsight after going to school and learning what I did was just like breaking my body down and not nourishing myself, not replenishing glycogen and causing a lot of health issues, like immense hormonal dysregulation, renal issues. Like I just had so much going on after that year of stressful job, stressful CrossFit, not feeding myself enough. I mean, granted, the first six months I looked amazing. I was in really good shape. But then after that, you know, I just my body started to break down. And the biggest thing that motivated me to become a nutritionist was that I just like everyone else would get online and be like, okay, so if this isn't working, like what's what should I be doing? And everything was so conflicting and it drove me crazy that I was like, should I do keto? Should I stick with paleo? Should I do vegan? Should I blah, 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 right? There's a million diets. So I felt really overwhelmed um, on one hand, but on the other hand, I felt really empowered. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go and become a nutritionist because this is I was obsessed with it. I was I was interested in it. It was fascinating to me, but I wanted to go somewhere where I could get true data that I could mm-hmm. trust and not just like blogs that put in links to these small studies that aren't peer reviewed. So like going to where I felt was the safest place to get my education, which was an accredited program by the Academy of Nutrition. So that's what inspired me to go back to school. I quit my job that was super stressful and was like, I'm going to become a nutritionist. And uh, I also got married the same year that uh, I Yeah. So I quit my job, got married, started to become a student again. And then we got pregnant about a year into our marriage. So I was still finishing up my nutrition degree, but, um, you know, it all worked out. (laughs) It's like the classic story of specifically women going to do these hardcore workouts and then just trashing their metabolism because they're told something and then they look great and then they hit these plateaus and they're like, oh my God, what do I do now? And so it's like the story I hear every single day and it's so Mm -hmm. frustrating, but that kind of leads me into like, how do you feel about these like low carb diets, keto, things like that? You obviously did it. Um, I have never done keto. I've never done paleo. I've really never followed any of those styles of diets like how do you feel about those as a nutritionist well just to start out like the first thing that you have to recognize with any diet is like diet culture Mm -hmm. and so um there's a lot of biased beliefs and things going on behind the scenes amongst all of the diets you just mentioned um and I think it took me going to school because when I started school I was like fruit makes you fat carbs are bad and there was no discussion when I talked about diet of nutrition, (laughs) of nourishing Mm -hmm. your body. Mm -hmm. It was always just like focused on like weight loss or gaining or losing. And so um, after going to school and realizing that there's so many more components to it and that diet culture is hugely just all this marketing around food, um, you start to realize that like you really have to figure out what works for you. 
and not just believe what everyone else is telling you, right? So that's like step one. And uh, my journey may not be the same as yours or someone else, yeah. but I realized that like for me, I had to heal my relationship with food. And that was that fruit makes you fat or like I can't eat bread because it's bad for me because our ancestors didn't eat it or whatever. You know, I had to really break down some of those uh, deep beliefs that I had about it and kind of start over. And getting a nutrition degree actually did help me do that because it's more about like nutrients in, nourishing your body. And even on like a chemical level, the chemistry, like having a, a professor kind of explain to me, like, this is what it looks like inside your body, kind of taking away the diet culture of like good food, bad food. Yeah. So to answer your original question, um, I, I think that there are a lot of diets that work for a lot of people. Um, and you really do need to find what works for you. But in my experience, um, the keto low carb diet is not sustainable in my experience. Um, I know some people find it easier just to remove a food group instead of having to do any kind of tracking or portion control. It's easy for them, but I don't think it's sustainable long-term. It's not sustainable if you drink alcohol. It's not sustainable if you travel and you want to, you know, eat whatever is available on your vacation resort. But at the end of the day, it is it is really a matter of your relationship with food and how you feel, right? How yeah. does my client feel? Some people love low carb. And if it works, great, you know? So yeah. that's really how I feel about it. No, for sure. And I think that something you had said that we can both agree on is that knowledge is power, especially when it comes to your health and your nutrition. Because if you are educated about the nutrients of food and how food is actually fueling your body. I think it makes that relationship a lot easier to mend because I work with clients anywhere from the ages of 21 up to 51. And it's very interesting to see, I guess we'll call it generationally, even how clients that are a little bit on the older side that, that are in their 40s or 50s are viewing things based on beliefs they have and then how some of my clients in their 20s are starting to really understand that there are no good foods or bad foods and they're seeing things in a different light. So it's very interesting for me to look at it on that side of things. But I always tell people, knowledge is power, knowledge is power, knowledge is power. The more you know, the more educated you can be on your choices. And at the end of the day, you're an adult, you get to make those choices for yourself, but knowing like what's right for you and what's wrong for you, it really comes down to what makes you feel good. And so if you feel like you can crush keto forever, then good for you. Yeah. I would, I don't yeah, think I, I am. I like cannot even get enough fats yeah. in during the day. So I cannot imagine that being a majority of my diet. And to your point about the generation, and this kind of goes into that deep-seated marketing and diet culture as well, is that in my experience with coaching women specifically, that older generations have a fear of fat and um, generation more in my age group are more like focused on fruit and, sh and sugar. And then like younger generations are more like balanced eating and like uh, body positivity. And if you look at that, it's marketing oh, all the way down, sure. you know, because like, I always joke with people about my degree. I'm like, I spent, you know, $50,000 to get a degree in nutrition to find out that there is like 
really solid evidence and like the the same base for every diet that's good for a human being. It's in every diet, which is vegetables and fiber. (laughs) So like, okay, like, oh, I spent a lot of money to figure that out, you know, but seriously. And I, I think that like a lot of the marketing is just, it's really unfortunate because like you need to be educated on like the actual data to be able to, to make thoughtful decisions on like how you feed your body. Yeah. And you I, know, but marketing. Yeah, well, I think even being knowledgeable about marketing tactics is super important because obviously when I'm working with clients yeah. and we're working on more of the macro basis, I'll always get the question of, oh, this is a hundred calories, but it says it has zero everything. Like, how does that make sense? Oh, so it's yeah. like looking at all of that and explaining how like, those still matter and how companies have the ability to have ranges or I love the like hundred calorie packs. Like those companies can say it's a hundred calories and still be within a range that like blows my mind. Like you're yeah, not that's even yeah. eating necessarily a hundred calories. You could be eating less, you could be eating more and they don't have to disclose that information to you. And that's just like, no. It's crazy. And so I think, again, knowing those types of things or understanding that it, quote unquote, lowers your cholesterol or something is sugar free, but then it has all these like hidden sugars and you just don't know how to read them on a label. Like all of those things are so important to take control of your own nutrition. Yeah. Marketing's crazy. They're always changing because the legislative, like it's always changing. You know what I mean? Which is it's sad. It's sad. It's just like, uh, yeah, I could, I mean, I did full, like full courses in my nutrition degree on this. So like when I talk about having a degree, like I, like I have, like, I'm loving that you know about this. Cause I will tell my clients like the zero calorie olive oil spray. And I'm like, no, it's not zero calories. Like your finger doesn't even have the dexterity to hit the button that quickly. It's like like a quarter yeah, a quarter second, I think is what it is. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's crazy. And I actually, I think we've talked about this, but I have a marketing background, and so I understand marketing yeah. as a business. And it's just that marketing is a business, nutrition is a business. And the marketing for nutrition is intended to sell things. It does not care about your health. They want to sell shit. At the end of the day, it's still a company. And that's super scary. But I think, again, just being knowledgeable is at the top of the important things. So, And knowing your company, right? Like, I mean, because there's going to be good companies and bad companies or not bad, but just what are the, what's the mission of the company? What are your goals? How does it relate to you? You know, because yes, exactly. You just have to be wise about how things. So do you feel like after you gained all of this knowledge and were really able to soak it all in, is that the reason you started Lovely Nutrition and Lovely Meal Prep? Walk me through how this company really came to be. So I started doing the one-on-one coaching because I was moving back to Austin from Denver. So I got my degree at MSU Denver and I wanted to do health coaching. And so I actually worked for another company here in Austin for a while. I worked for Profile by Sanford. And I did one-on-one coaching, really focused on behavior therapy. Um, I did it for a year. And like I said, I knew I was like, I'm still going to go do the internship that I had to pay for. So I started doing one-on-one coaching on my own, left that job and started Lovely Nutrition. Started doing one-on-one health coaching and really helping my clients get to their goals. But what happened over and over and over again is that people would say, 
oh my gosh, I just wish somebody would do it for me. Like somebody would cook for me. And I would say, no worries. Like let's look up Snap Kitchen or Green Chef or whoever, and we'll, we'll figure it out or H-E-B meals, whatever, right? Like, let me help you figure out a way to get the food in, especially busy clients, like had an issue with lunch. Like I just don't have time. I don't have time to meal prep. So with all of that, I kind of was like, you know what? I meal prep for my family every week. I love it. I love the creativity. Um, I love that I can cook once and not think about it again. So I've been meal prepping for my husband, myself, and my daughter for like eight years or whatever, like the entire time we've been together, nine years. Um, And I was like, you know, I'm just going to take on a couple of clients. I'm just going to offer and see what happens. And I started taking on clients and I was still cooking out of my kitchen And then after a while, I realized like, man, like this is really fun. And I really like this. And I I continued to get so much business that I had to start a wait list way back in 2019. So started a wait list and then realized like I cannot do this out of my kitchen anymore. Like I'm just going to go full force and start a business, start a meal prep business that um, really goes hand in hand with the nutrition side. And so got a commercial kitchen and um, pulled the whole wait list and started cooking in a commercial kitchen in August of 2019. And I have been doing it since. So really loved it. When we first started, I think we were doing like 75 meals a week. And now last Sunday we did 500. So we've grown quite a bit in a short amount of time. You are crazy. I actually do not enjoy meal prepping. I am like the lazy meal prepper. And I always teach my clients how to be lazy meal prepper. So I like highly applaud you. I've had people ask me if I would meal prep for them and I am like, hell no, you could not pay me. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just like don't enjoy it enough. So good for you. Kudos to you. Your business is absolutely crushing it. As you mentioned, you are constantly on a wait list. So people not only love your food, but they love your company and that keeps them coming back and sending people your way. I've sent clients your way. I have really busy clients as well. And so it is nice to have somebody and to have a local business. You mentioned a couple companies like Snap Kitchen or HEB Meals, which if somebody's looking for something just to grab from the store, those are actually really great options. Just as easy pick me up things, but it's really also nice to support a female owned local business and your meals look amazing. So what more can you have? Well, and you get both, right? Yeah. Like I had a client say like, you're kind of like modern day Jenny Craig. And I was like, I am except with real food. So like my clients typically will go and they'll get a custom nutrition plan for me and then their meals match their nutrition yeah. plan. So it's not just healthy meals. Like it actually matches the plan that they're on. So let's say that they're feeding themselves on the weekends. They are kind of building out their own meals. But during the week, they're like, okay, so this is what my portion of rice should look like. This is how many vegetables she wants me to eat. This is what a fat looks like. So it helps my clients visualize this is what I should be eating so that when I'm doing it on my own, they already have this um, – this idea of what their meal size looks like, their portions. Wait, so you're telling me that once people start to understand their portion sizes, they can do it on their own? <laughs> it's just like yeah, I, I always mean, I tell people. It's like, it's such a hard thing to remind clients. Like the more often you do it and the more you start to see something, you can start to get an idea of what half a cup of rice looks like a cup of vegetables looks like because you see it, you're making yes. it for them. And you're like, this is how much I want you to eat. And they're like, Oh, this looks like what I'm normally eating. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and I, and we'll get into it, I think later, but the, we use the exchange system, which is all done portions done for you. So like, yes, when they're making their meals at home, the portions don't change to my kitchen. It's all the same system. So yes, they, they are either they're portioning out, like, let's say there's a week where they're like, oh, I don't like what you're cooking. I'll just cook for myself. They're portioning out the same portions that I would have. So it's nice because the structure and the framework is there. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the exchange method? I believe you've called it the bull method or um, the exchange method. So I think it kind of goes both ways. I know the bull method is really what you have honed in on and kind of um, taken as the name for the system your company uses. So can you explain sort of what the difference between that is and the difference between macro tracking? So macro tracking just simply placed, and I know a lot of people may not know this, but macro is just large nutrient. I know, you know, Tessa, <laughs> carbs, proteins, fats, but it's just a marketing again, like macros, right? But it just means large nutrient. And so typically when people are, are tracking macros, they have an app and they just track everything they eat based on carbs, proteins, and fats. And they just hit their macros, right? They say, if it fits your macros, that's like what everyone talks about. The, the system I use is called the exchange list, and I did not invent it. Um, it was created by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, and it's actually um, a part of the diabetic exchange list. And so it's really focused on portion control and balanced eating, including balanced carbohydrate intake, fat intake, protein intake, um, and vegetable intake. So really just kind of focus on balanced eating, but their um, exchange list is about 16 pages long. It's a really, really long document. Anybody could Google I it. I tried. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you can find it. It's really long. But what I did is I consolidated it down into one page for my clients to have like a one-sheeter. And what it is, is it basically categorizes food by what macronutrient it has the most of. And so you have a carbohydrates group where it's starches, um, like beans, like gooms, potatoes, rice, you have fruits in there, and all of them are around 15 grams of net carbs. So you can exchange them. So if your plan says two carbs at breakfast, you go to the list and you choose two, and the portions are done for you. So that's like a big, that's a big win. So you say, okay, today I'm going to have strawberries. You go to strawberries, it says one cup, done one cup. Okay. You want to have rice? Third cup. You want to have potatoes? Half a cup. So everything's in measuring cups and measuring spoons, which for me, I'm a type A person and it really helps me to just be like, okay, I have measuring cups in my kitchen. Here we go. So the exchange system is the base of the nutrition that my clients use. And that's what we use in the kitchen too. So it really just kind of streamlines the logistics of counting macros and calories because it's all done for you in this system. Um, and then the bull method, it's funny, I, I kind of recoined it to the bull method this last year, because the method is building a bowl using the exchanges. And I had a client that I helped lose 40 pounds. And she made a joke to me and said, you know, Corinne, I lost the 40 pounds by basically eating burrito bowls. And I laughed with her. She's like, I just kept changing them. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly what we do. Like, you have a Greek bowl, you have like an Asian style bowl, you have maybe like burrito bowl, right? But the concept is the same where you're shooting for like one to two cups of veggies, two fats, two carbs, four ounces of protein, six ounces of protein. So those change based on person to person. But the method is the same, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And like you said earlier, like it's also portions, rinse and repeat. 
if you've measured a quarter cup of avocado 10 times, you're going to be alive all that. Yeah. It's going to get easier and easier. Same with rice, same with like vegetables. Like I'll ask clients like, oh, are you eating like two cups of vegetables? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, send me a picture. And they'll send me a picture. And I'm like, you're eating like a third cup of vegetables. <laughs> like you need to quadruple that, right? Yeah. So it's good because like having those measuring tools and the portions done for you system really kind of streamlines your goals, hitting your goals. So that's, yeah, we call it the bowl method because it's a method of building out bowls, but we just change the flavors. I love that. And I also like, I want to get into the fact of the bowls because I actually had this conversation with my girlfriend last night because she made me dinner. She made me chicken, vegetables, and then some orzo pasta. And I was like, this is like my dream meal. I wish everybody who invited me over would make this. She's like, I basically just eat this and a burrito bowl. And I was like, those are literally the only things I eat as well. And I just change out the ingredients. But I think it's also really important to note neither like the bowl method or counting macros, neither way is right or wrong. I think it really just comes down to convenience for people and like what makes the most sense for them. Because as I mentioned, when you had first told me about this, you're like, it's super easy. Just go look it up. And I did that. My brain for some reason, like couldn't process it because I'm not used to measuring things out with measuring cups. I've been tracking macros for 10 years. And so macros are such an easy system for me to understand. And like, I can, I'm very, very good at this. And I always play this game with myself where I'll put a plate on a scale and start weighing out my food and I will estimate how many grams it is. And I'm not joking you. I am usually only like five grams off every single time because I've been doing it for such a long time, but my brain just works that way because it's how I've been doing it. And I actually think this is a really good thing to also talk about when you're hiring one of these professionals to do nutrition for you, whether it be the RD, the nutritionist or a coach, because Mm -hmm. you talked about if it fits your macros. And I'm sure you saw my face just go kind of flat because I find that this is, it's kind of a good and bad thing, but it also, I think it can oftentimes put people in a place where they forget about whole nutrients. I preach whole nutrition a lot for my clients. So you talked about something that wasn't mentioned in macros, which is fiber. And I don't think people understand Mm -hmm. how important fiber is and that the way that we're getting the proper amount of fiber in our diets is through whole real foods. And I will oftentimes see when clients switch over to a macro tracking method, they will often start incorporating a lot of simple carbs into their diet. So if you're not, if you're not familiar with simple carbs, that just means those fast processing carbs. So things like snacks, chips, cookies, pretzels. So I'll see a lot of these things because they're trying to get carbs in. And I try and constantly remind clients, vegetables have carbs and fiber, fruits, Fiber and carbs. And these are the things where I'm like, you guys, there are carbs in so many things. And so when clients are oftentimes short on carbohydrates, I'm like, you guys, like, go eat an orange, go eat an apple. There's like 35 grams of carbs in a small to medium apple. And there's a ton of fiber. There's a ton of good things. You should be eating the apple versus eating the 100 calorie bag of chips. Like nutrients are so much more important than just the macros. And when it comes to weight loss, there could be a plateau because of your nutrient choices. And that's something, again, that when you're hiring a professional, make sure that they are not only focused on your macros or your calorie count, but they're also focused on making sure your body is getting the proper nutrients. Because if you are working that hard, your body needs so much more than just calories. It also needs nutrients. And so 
I think a lot of people you'll hear like calories don't matter. And I'm like, yes, they do. They do matter. But it also is like, let's use our brains. They, it matters in the sense of what type of food is the calorie coming from? You know, like if you're eating whole foods, I've oft, I've done this with clients. I'm like, I could show you a thousand calories in whole foods and a thousand calories in processed foods. And you will definitely know how to fill up what, what's going to make you feel full and satisfied and nourished. It's not going to be the processed foods, but they have the same amount of calories. So it's a combination of calories, which if you guys are not familiar who are listening, macros and calories, macros make up calories. So it's the same. It's an equation. Um, it's just a smaller number. It's just a smaller number of the calorie, yes. Um, but nutrients are super important. And that's why I that's why I personally love the exchange list because it's a ton of fruits and potatoes. And like, yes, I do have some processed foods on there because I help my clients have a balanced life. And so if they want to have, we live in Austin, if you want to have tortilla chips, you can do that. And I'll show you how, um, the majority of the time, 80% of their diet is going to be coming from whole foods. And then 20% is alcohol and processed food. And I think that that's a sustainable way to live your life. I completely agree. I am a full believer in that. And I think for such a long time, as I mentioned, I've been tracking macros for, a very long yeah. time and I can see on YouTube videos where people are doing these like what I eat in a day and people are eating like pop tarts and all these things and it's technically it's fitting in their macros and so yeah. you're thinking like oh I can eat all these things now if you love a pop tart and you want to eat a pop tart by all means like you eat that pop tart but we also have to remember like you do actually need to get vegetables and fruits in your diet to have a well-balanced yeah nutrient profile and so that's always important to come back to that nutrition does matter and I you will notice such an improvement in so many aspects of your journey by making those changes and so what are some like nutritional non-negotiables like things that everybody should be doing I know that's like a very broad question but like what are a couple things that you think are non-negotiables when it comes to people's nutrition I actually think this is a really good question. And the answer is so simple that a lot of my clients just don't like, they don't really approve of my answer to this, but it is fiber and vegetables. Like every single diet I studied in school, that was consistent across the board, Mediterranean, diabetes, like uh, whatever, burn victims, they all had this similar consistency of making sure that you get enough fiber and enough vegetables in every day. So to me, that's a non-negotiable. And when I say enough, the average American gets like eight grams of fiber Mm -hmm. a day, and you really want to be hitting 28, 30, 35 grams of fiber coming from whole food sources. So for me personally, in my life and with my clients, that's a non-negotiable, at least four cups of vegetables a day at least four cups. So why fiber? Um, Tell us a little bit more about fiber because I feel like there are so many misconceptions about why it's important. Well, fiber is really important for uh, several reasons. One, it helps us feel satisfied and full. Um, Two, it helps remove toxins from the body. And this is this is essential for our health and our energy. Um, it gets rid of old blood cells. It gets rid of old toxins. It gets rid of a fat, um, old fats, right? I mean, a lot of people don't realize that, but like the bile, like poop basically is full of tons of things that your body no longer needs. And in order to make sure that you're going every day, you really want that fiber to be high enough that you're, that you're using the restroom 
um, and getting those things out of your body. So fiber helps prevent you from constipation. Um, it's a great way for your body to, to get rid of things that you don't need. So yeah, it's, it's really, 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 really important. It also feeds the microbiome. Um, and there's so much research now on the microbiome. It's literally changing like on a weekly basis, feeding the microbiome, but fiber, a lot of people don't realize feeds our microbiome as well. So those are the bacteria in our guts and they love fiber. Your bacteria loves fiber. So really important for them as well to have a healthy gut system. Yeah. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. <laughs> fiber is so important. I would say like, that's like number one, non-negotiable. Like if like when I saw your question, I was like fiber, duh. First thing it. that came up. Yeah. And I, I am um, obviously looking at people's fiber every single week and looking at their diet. And I'm obviously looking at my own. Now I will admit, I do not get enough fiber in my diet. And it's something I'm constantly working on because I do most of the time, I would say 90% of the time eat a gluten-free diet. And so my fiber isn't coming from those whole grain sources most, again, most of the time. And so I always tell people like whole grains, really great way to get fiber in. But I have found that raspberries are my very favorite fiber choice because they're so high in fiber and I love raspberries. So it's so easy just to include half a cup to a cup of raspberries every day as my snack. And I'm like, great. That's like almost half, almost three quarters of my recommended fiber for the day. And so it's pretty easy to make these changes if you're willing to put in the work and to incorporate more veggies in or look at different types of veggies or include some beans in there. Like, I mean, if you did a cup of beans and four cups of veggies and like one fruit, you'd be good, you know, and this like, I'm also gluten free. So like, I, I feel you not eating gluten and grains. Um, in general, I don't eat a lot of grains. So yeah. Uh, beans are a great alternative to being super high fiber and raspberries are awesome. It's like, it's like a treat. Yeah. And if people Mm -hmm. are eating gluten, like start reading labels, this is always such a process for people, but really reading the labels and choosing higher fiber options. If you love bread or a lot of people love sandwiches, there are like really, really good high fiber breads that have so many good nutrients for you. I believe like Dave's killer bread has a ton of fiber in it. Is it like the best bread option? I don't know, but depending on what you're looking for, add some, add some veggies in there, make yourself a veggie sandwich, a couple slices of turkey. And like you have a balanced meal in your sandwich. It's so simple if you're willing to do the work. Yeah. And even like on that point with the bread, you know, I, I have a four-year-old who's like, I will only eat white bread. That's like her jam. (laughs) She does not eat any other kind. And even there's a, now there's a white, and I'm always like looking at the fiber and I'll be like, no, we can't buy that. It doesn't have enough fiber. It's only one gram. Like this is like how I choose off of labels is always going to be based on fiber, but they now have a white tasting bread that actually has three grams of fiber that we get for my daughter. And I love it. I'm so excited. I love it. Yeah. There is actually a really good gluten-free option. I believe it's the Canyon Bakehouse. Um, that one usually has a good, um, yeah, they have like three grams. Yeah. I mean, I'm not eating like a ton of bread in general because it's just like not my favorite food, but it's good if you are gluten-free. So that's awesome. But again, so Mm -hmm. it does come down to the whole foods at the end of the day, but I come across a ton of clients who do not like vegetables. So what can they do to get those nutrients that are needed that are in vegetables? So this is a great question because it, it goes from the last question. It's an unnegotiable. Um, so what I tell my clients is let's, let's meet in the middle. Let's find one vegetable that you're okay with. 
So thinking outside the box, like there are vegetables that are actually fruit, right? What are the most mild vegetables you can start with? They're going to be like cucumber, strawberry, or not strawberry, tomatoes, cucumbers, bell peppers, right? So starting with like more mild vegetables and kind of working up your palate, I think that's that's like a great way to start. And then as we were talking before starting the show is like smoothies, mm-hmm. right? If you are like my four-year-old who only likes two or three vegetables, I put a ton of vegetables in her smoothie. I love doing frozen um, zucchini. It gives it a really creamy texture in a, in a smoothie. Obviously, greens are super easy to hide in there. So making it a priority for you to get vegetables is a non-negotiable. And there is no, there's no replacement. Like greens powder, yes, there's tons of nutrients, but it's not the same um, as chewing your fiber and eating it. So like I would recommend working on finding a vegetable that you can spruce up and, and cook correctly. I know a lot of my clients say that they have never eaten as many vegetables as they do now that they order from us, but they they didn't know how to cook vegetables either. So like my goal in life is to make people love eating vegetables. Like all of my meals are super heavy and I'm like, yeah, because this is how you do it, right? This is how it tastes good. And finding a way to get vegetables in your diet that you enjoy is like, if you have to put cheddar cheese on your broccoli to eat broccoli, then do it. Just just do it. You know, whatever, whatever you need yeah, to do. Yeah, I love that. I actually don't love vegetables, which always throws people off because they're like, what do you mean? I just have never really loved them. And I saw a registered dietitian when I lived in Las Vegas because I was experiencing so much bloating and I was trying to figure out where my food sensitivities lied. And actually mm-hmm. a lot of my food sensitivities are to vegetables, which can be very frustrating. Mm-hmm. And so I pretty much only eat green beans. That's like my vegetable. And so I'm trying to be better about incorporating things in and just also being mindful that my body has a very hard time processing any cruciferous vegetables, any nightshades. And so I am always in the process of figuring out what's working for me, but you can only eat so many of one vegetable. And so I do think it's important to remember that you can season your food, people. We can put salt on things. Sodium is not the end all be all. If you have no pre-existing conditions, like sodium is something your body does need. It is an electrolyte. Like it is so good for you. Um, Obviously not just like all table salt, but like we're using pink Himalayan salt. Like you can season your food and then mixing it up. If you love Mediterranean, you can add like, I don't know, hummus or tzatziki onto your onto your vegetables and spruce them up. Or if you love Italians, like balsamic glaze on top of your vegetables, or if you like Mexican food, like putting them with beans, like there's so many ways to make those things work. And as goofy as it sounds, I've actually found a lot of hacks through TikTok. And I posted this on my story recently that I hate spinach. Like you put it in a smoothie, I can still taste it. I like, I just can't stomach it, but I know that I need to get something besides green beans into my diet. And so I've been chopping it up really small, like almost mincing it like you would an herb and then putting that 25 grams, which is technically a serving, I think it's like half a cup into a salad as my lettuce. Like you don't taste it in there because it's literally so minuscule or when you chop it up that small and cook, we all know how small spinach cooks up when you put it in the leaf. Imagine chopping it into tiny little pieces and then cooking it up. It's like, a third of the size. And so it's very easy to hide in dishes or gosh, I made stuffed chicken the other day. It was like pesto stuffed and you can just stuff some 
spinach in there as well. Like you don't taste it because all yeah. the other flavors are so powerful. Or if you love pesto, you can literally make pesto with spinach instead of just with herbs. Like there are ways to make it happen. And it does. And using herbs is huge. Yeah. Like flavor too, right? Like cilantro, basil, parsley, like these, these herbs, like, oh my God, they're huge on making you add flavor to to your vegetable dishes. If you look at our meals, I mean, I'm a big advocate of cilantro. Yeah, that's so funny. That's like another thing. I'm like not a crazy herb person, but <laughs> I was like, you kind of lost me on the herb. Yeah. But no, I agree with you. I think that you just sometimes have to get creative and not saying like you can have a lot of boring meals, but like every once in a while, like start getting creative. Find one thing that you like and keep eating yeah. that a couple times a week. Like it's not as well. And that was kind of new. Yes, that's kind of my point, right? Is like, find what works for you. You're going to hear me say this over and over. Like, yes, here's a statement, but does it work for you? What works for me doesn't work for you. And so finding out like, if you only eat cucumbers and you only eat cucumbers and also remembering that um, a lot of times it's about eating the rainbow. And so like, maybe you aren't getting any orange colored foods or red colored foods because you don't eat those vegetables, but maybe you are eating those colored fruits. Like you're, mm -hmm. maybe you're not tomatoes but you're eating raspberries right and so being aware of that as well as like am I eating something green yellow orange purple um all of those vibrant colors have similar nutrients sweet potatoes right if you're not eating carrots you're eating sweet potatoes so I always kind of direct my clients to try their best to get in some vegetables but then also think of color how am I getting the most nutrient dense foods by color too so what if you have like purple potatoes are those going to have different nutrients than a, a white potato 100% yes absolutely love it yeah the fiber is about the same but the nutrients are going to be different um but a white potato a lot of people that poor white potato gets a lot of bad I agree. white potatoes have a ton of nutrients in them they're just white I mean think about a cauliflower cauliflower has tons of nutrients and it's it just happens yeah, to be white let's bring the potato in back bring the potato back yeah, <laughs> Russet potatoes are the best. We love them in our family. We just bake them and um, they're amazing. But yeah, you uh, you just want to just think of whole foods, right? Mm -hmm. Nutrient dense, whole foods. But when coming to people who don't like vegetables, that's a second recommendation. If they don't have something to lean on, if they have a hard time being creative, rest assured that you're still eating different colors by eating different kinds of fruits and you know, other types of vegetables that have yellow and purple and other colors that may not be considered quote unquote a vegetable. Yeah. You know, I, one of the most eye opening things now I can't handle them, but when I was seeing my RD, she was like, She's like, mushrooms are a vegetable. She's like, can you like eat a mushroom? And I was like, yeah, I forget those are vegetables. She's like, onions are a vegetable. I was like, yeah, they are. And like, you forget that these things that you're adding in are actually vegetables. And so even just like adding those things into your diet are good. Just plant, very, right? Really hide onion into something if it's like a meat dish. We just yes. obviously said potatoes. Like, hello, everybody start making your like half-baked potato and throwing a meal on it. There you go. So good. Yeah. I mean, a potato is still a starch, but it's a plant, right? So like kind of veering towards like, are you eating plants? You yeah. Know? Like plants are the fiber and the nutrients. Again, we have clients who are having a hard time getting carbs in and they're like shoving pretzels down their throat late at night because they can't get their carbs in. Like you can still eat your potato and get your carbs in and hit all of your nutrients. Yeah. So 
bake them. I love that. Yep. Um, Okay. So I know I briefly mentioned that when I was seeing my RD, I realized that I had a lot of food sensitivities. Now, I know in the beginning of this episode, we discussed a little bit about what the difference of nutritionists, RDs, um, certified coaches are, but what do you recommend Mm -hmm. for people who think that they have, like clients that come to you and they say that they have food sensitivities, but have never gone testing. Do you ever recommend them like at home tests, allergy tests, or do you just like recommend them go see somebody else for, um, the sensitivities? I recommend that they go see someone who specializes in it. Um, I'm sure there's a time and a place for doing an at-home test, but typically with the clients that I work with, if you don't know how to understand the test, it may not be helpful to DIY it yourself. If you work with a practitioner that does this every day, day in and day out, um, I think you're going to have better results and you're going to have a lot less like false positives. Mm-hmm. Working with someone who like a naturopathic doctor, an RD, anyone who specializes in like gut food sensitivities and even food allergies is going to be your number one person. If you truly believe that's where the issues lie, that's what I would recommend. And I know that there are like everly well and different tests you can do at home. But a lot of times what my clients do is they get their tests and then they bring it to me and they're like, I'm allergic to chicken and eggs and this and that. And I'm like, actually, this isn't an allergy test. This is a sensitivity test and it's testing your antibodies. And you're, you're not just eating these foods by themselves. Right. So like, I have a hard time looking at a test like that and saying, okay, now you have to eliminate 265 things <laughs> and and then we'll see how you do as you enter each one back in. I just think working with a professional is going to be so much more profound for anyone who's wanting to look into food. I, com- and tolerance uh, I completely foods. agree. So I've actually done all of the above. I have had allergy tests. I have done the at-home food sensitivity tests and I have seen an RD. All of my allergy tests have come back inconclusive, which they've kind of told me is sometimes they're going to come back and sometimes they're not. Even allergy tests aren't 1000% correct for my food sensitivities. I think it just provided me with a lot of knowledge of maybe where I'm seeing reactions and where I can make smarter food choices or nutrient timing, which... We won't get into, but that's a whole other topic. But really what was the most helpful for me was seeing an RD and being led full elimination diet and through FODMAP to really understand what foods I was sensitive to. And then again, learning how to understand what my reactions to those foods were, whether it be emotional, physical, or um, some sort of, again, reaction to different times and days. And so um, I think it just provided me with a lot of knowledge. I also recommend a lot of clients to see RDs if they are experiencing a lot of bloating from their foods, if they are noticing a specific food that is causing them a lot of inflammation. Um, But also I always recommend people keep a journal of your food and your feelings. So if they are experiencing bloating every time they eat chicken, maybe write down like, boo, I ate chicken and then I didn't feel good after. Or if you wake up feeling bloated, like what did you eat for dinner and what did you feel the next day? Did you drink coffee before you ate food that caused inflammation in your gut? Like all these things are good to just write down and understand your body because then should you decide to go to a professional, you then have data to show them like here are the times that this made me feel a certain way or here's what I'm thinking. And then I think it helps Mm -hmm. kind of guide them to come to that conclusion for you. 
Yeah. And that's also another point too, as to why you don't want to DIY it all the time. This is just my personal, I'm like a test, don't guess and work with professional because it's going to take you longer if you try the DIY method to get to the results that you're actually craving anyways. But, you know, sometimes clients are like, oh, I'm having this issue with this vegetable. And it's just that they aren't, they don't have enough digestive enzymes or not enough hydrochloric acid as well. And it has nothing to do with the food. It could have something to do with like pancreas stress, too much coffee, not enough sleep, and you're struggling to digest your food. Again, working with a professional who's going to be able to test those other markers that aren't just food related is going to be so important to like, oh, I got this test. I eliminated these foods and I'm still having these issues. And like, turns out it was actually low hydrochloric acid or, you know, you could just take a digestive enzyme, like plant-based sprouts, something easy um, to help you. So I, again, test, don't guess and work with a professional in whatever your specific goal is. Yeah. You know, if you have a weight loss goal, if you need someone to hold your hand, you're going to hire someone who does weight loss and coaching. If you need someone to do allergies, you hire a dietitian or a naturopath doctor. So yeah, I, I definitely agree 100%. Yeah. I cannot imagine having tried eliminating things on my own. I would have been drinking water for years. Okay. So just to kind of round things out, I want to talk a little bit about like how meal prepping and how nutrition can really change somebody's life. We talked a lot about just having knowledge and power, but like what ultimately can hiring any sort of professional do for someone's well-being? When I hear this question, I think about like, what is the complaint that I hear from my client the most? What do I consistently hear when I talk on the phone with people? And it's always that I don't feel good. I have no energy. I don't feel confident anymore. And I feel stuck, right? So those are the things that, that those are the problems that you're trying to solve. And sometimes we don't realize how impactful what we're putting in our body impacts like our energy level, which impacts the way we feel, which impacts our confidence. Mm -hmm. And yes, their weight is like the symptom up or down of what you're doing. But I just think like nutritional, in my experience, when I've gotten clients, even two weeks into a nutrition plan and they're following it, they will message me and be like, I have so much energy. I am waking up with twinkle toes, ready to start my day. You know, I'm not drinking as much coffee and I just feel good. Like their, their bowel movements are good. Their workouts are getting better. And I think it's just, it's kind of like too easy almost, right? Like I think in Western culture, like we just want a pill to fix the problem. And it's like, just eat the nutritious food. And that can fix a lot, if not all of your problems. But it's almost just like, what do you mean? Just eat vegetables? Like, ugh, just eat fruit, you know? So I, I think that the impact of having um, nutrient-dense foods in your body is profound, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I am so passionate about nutrition because I don't think I ever understood it until the past few years when I really started diving into it and doing a lot of research and getting more education on it. And I, much like you had mentioned at the beginning of this, found a lot of interest in adolescent nutrition and doing pediatrics. I, when I started studying for my certifications, just reading the research on the nutrition education for children really opened my eyes and put me in this place where it's kind of scary to 
raise a child in this world, not for obvious reasons outside of just nutrition, but looking at the way nutrition is taught to kids and taught to certain communities is just mind blowing. And I think that was just, again, very profound for me. And I think that having the understanding and having that knowledge of how to make smarter and better choices that are simple, easy, can not only impact you and your health and well-being, but can obviously translate into impacting your family's health and well-being and growing up healthy and strong and with good development and learning what a balanced meal looks like instead of just this diet culture. So I do think that the knowledge of nutrition is so impactful and whether you decide to hire a coach or not hire a coach, at least do some research so that you have the autonomy to make those decisions about your health and well-being, to choose brands that you believe in that aren't marketing to you just because they want to sell you things, but because they care about your health. And uh, I think it will make a world of difference for the majority of people just to even make a small change, just to get those four cups of veggies in every single day. I always just say, like, try it, like, give me two weeks, right? Like, follow this for two weeks. And I want to know how you feel. And it is if they follow it, if they have prioritized themselves, and they're ready to make a change. I mean, it's profound. They're like, I feel so good. Like, I have so much energy. And how is it possible that I'm eating rice and also losing weight? Like, I thought that wasn't possible. And it's like, yeah, it's about the whole equation. It's about all the nutrients. It's about getting good sleep. It's about eating good. It's, you know, but you'll never know it until you try it, until you commit, right? And I think like sometimes the commitment is more of a mental block than actually doing it, right? And putting the vegetables on your plate and eating them, right? So uh, that's when hiring a coach can be really helpful, actually, to kind of the how. How am I going to do this? But yeah, the results are always like to answer your question. I mean, the, the results are there. As soon as you start making these changes, even if they're small, you feel them immediately. Yeah, no, I love that. And as I mentioned, I could talk about this for hours and hours and hours because you're very knowledgeable in this subject and we are equally as passionate about the nutrition for ourselves and for other people. And so Corinne, where can people find you if they are either looking to work with you in Austin or if they are just looking for nutrition advice from you um, if they're not in Austin? So for Austin locally, um, well, in same, it's the same. So you can find me at lovely-nutrition.com. And this is my website where you can uh, learn more about me and my background and kind of the framework that I offer to help clients with weight loss. And then I also have the meal prep. If you're here locally in Austin, um, you can follow me on Instagram at lovely meal prep. And um, if you're local, you can do both. You can do a custom nutrition plan and you can do meal prep that matches your plan. I also have plenty of clients that just do meal prep with me. And I work with people like you and other gyms and nutritionists in the city to help their clients. So I will match um, their clients' meals to the macros and nutrition plans they've already got figured out too. So a lot of different ways to get in contact with me, but I also offer a free consultation as well um, for the nutrition side. I love that. Yeah. If anybody's in Austin and they need an online coach and nutrition, then they can hire both of us. How lucky are they? 
All right. Well, Corinne, thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Again, we could talk for hours and hours about this, but uh, we will definitely have to have you back and answer more questions because this was such a hot topic. But um, thank you again for coming on and to remind everybody to be bold, to be confident and to be you. Thank you. 